Welcome to Sigma Tiger News, where you get the hottest, juiciest beef all up in your grill. Except for yesterday. It was available for maybe 30 minutes, and YouTube hauled it down, gave the tiger a warning, and said, you are too controversial for our viewers. So if you want to check out that newscast, head over to rumble.com, and they will let you choose what you want to see. The most controversial newscast of the day. Well, we're here today. What do we got? Murder house. Is this a house that murders people? A house that people were murdered in? We're going to find out. What else? Dead man on the moon. Is it possible? Could there be someone up there who's dead? I don't know. We're going to find out all about that. And, of course, there's a deadly pack of dogs roaming California. Welcome to Sigma Tiger News. And you're here with the Sigma Tiger. Today's newscast is brought to you by the Synth Samurai, that synth show. Go ahead and tune in if you want to know what's going on. He just had a great show there yesterday talking about the Synth Awards. So if that's your bag, go ahead and grab it. What are we talking about today? Well, if you check out the intro, you already know. So let's dive right in. Boom! This is a different one. This happened yesterday, I believe. Perry High School shooter Dylan Butler kills Iowa 6th grader and injures four other students and the principal before turning gun on himself and leaving behind explosive device. Well, if you uh, have no idea what's going on in the world today, there was another uh, school shooting in America. It was an a Iowa teenager who killed one child, five others uh, were injured, including his principal, turned the gun on himself after his rampage. He was 17. He was a senior at Perry High School. Thursday morning, opening fire. He was armed with a pump-action shotgun, a handgun, both of which are illegal for a 17-year-old to obtain. So how did he get that stuff? Off the streets? Maybe? The internet? I don't know. He also had a rudimentary explosive device, some sort of IED, improvised explosive device, uh, which was undetonated, later rendered safe by fire marshals. Thank the Lord for that. Uh, so he died uh, by suicide. By the time first responders arrived, shortly after 7.40 a.m., it was triggered a mass evacuation. Of course, 1,785 students in the school uh, during winter break. Terrible. One of five people injured was the school's principal, Dan Marburger. He was rushed to hospital and is currently in surgery for his gunshot wounds. So, uh, I wonder, was the shooter using a, uh, uh, a buckshot or a slug? Likely a buckshot if it uh, injured many and uh, didn't kill. Hours before the shooting took place at 7.37, he posted a TikTok posing what appeared to be the school bathroom with the caption, Now We Wait. He pulled an odd face and a blue duffel bag. So here is the uh, alleged shooter, deceased, and there's his duffel bag there with likely his shotgun, handgun, and improvised device. There's the principal, Marburger, who, uh, God bless his soul, uh, comes through this healthy. Here's another image of the killer, uh, Butler. 
some officers uh, on the scene. So he posted a TikTok selfie with the song Stray Bullet playing in the background in December, just weeks before the shooting, Butler posted another video on the same social media account of him sitting on children's playground equipment with a friend pretending to be in a gunfight using six. Butler gets shot by the stick and falls down the children's slide. On Thursday morning, there were hundreds of emergency services at the scene, of course. Uh, Cody Sheriff Adam Infante said at a press conference at 11 a.m., the police officers had arrived at the school seven minutes after the first call was made. The first responders found multiple gunshot victims inside the school, and at a press conference at 3 p.m., they confirmed the number of injured was five. So, uh, as well, um, not mentioned here uh, in the article, but on other media forums it's uh stating that on his profile he was a uh gender fluid individual so he was part of the lgbtq2 plus ia group and uh yeah so he's obviously suffering from uh different levels of mental illness of course if you're going to take out uh, a gun and attempt to murder people it is horrendously awful. People need to figure out their life. This is just disgusting. It's terrible. A couple of quotes from people. The Perry community is strong and will band together through a hard time. I'm here to help if additional Fed resources needed. So everyone's reaching out to uh, the friends and family of the injured and uh, deceased. And we wish those injured a speedy recovery. And uh, God bless uh, the, uh, the dead. And Tyler, we know where you're headed. Moving right along, chemicals that may cause cancer in particular widespread in packaged products like Cheerios, states a report. Uh, Lisa Fickenshire of the New York Post here with a report on potentially dangerous levels of plastic chemicals have become widespread in popular grocery products, including Cheerios, Coca-Cola, Gerber cereals, according to a report. Consumer Reports, the non-profit advocacy group, tested 85 food items sold at supermarkets and by fast food chains, finding some level of plastic chemicals in 84 of them. So there was one that actually uh, did not contain. That would be the one I'm interested in. The chemicals called plasticizers or uh, phthalates seep in mainly through packaging materials and can cause cancer and particularly birth defects obesity and other significant health problems the report said so here's the big question you know petroleum products plastic have been around for 100 years plus and uh even our pharmaceuticals are made from uh, petroleum based uh product basically and uh so what's the deal plastic are causing cancer or other petroleum-based products causing cancer is just the fact that we have exhaust systems using petroleum-based fuels is that causing cancer likely is the answer because they're all contaminants products that had among the highest level plastics were yoplait's original low-fat french vanilla ben and jerry's vanilla ice cream wendy's crispy chicken nuggets burger king's whopper General Mills original Cheerios, Purdue ground chicken breast, Del Monte sliced peaches, according to the report. So we're looking at a plethora of different uh, products here. And if they're wrapped in plastic, well, guess what? That plastic might not be food grade. They might be skimping on their cost by buying that cheap plastic that degrades in sunlight or in temperatures or even being exposed to something organic. 
So here we go, Cheerios on display. None of the levels exceeded US limits deemed unsafe by regulators, but scientists say any level of plastic in food can be dangerous according to the report. Here's Annie's Organic Cheesy Ravioli, known for being uh, an organic product. Previous efforts to reduce consumers' exposure to plastic focused on packaging, according to publication, but it's now clear that uh, phthalates in particular can get in from plastic in the tubing, conveyor belts, and gloves used during food processing, and can even enter directly into meat and produce via contaminated water and soil. There you go. So uh, using tap water is full of contaminants. It's not sterile. So um, you're wondering what's going on in these big giant factories. Are they uh, using the best available gloves and masks and clothing for protective? The plastic wrap uh, that they're using to cover your food, is that quality? Likely not, because all these companies are out to turn a profit and anywhere they can cut a corner is great until a study comes out and says, Cheerios, cancer. And then everyone says, uh-oh, especially the company that makes it. They'll turn around General Mills, I believe, and they'll say, absolutely not true. We use the best plastics, and we always have, and here's the proof. <clears throat> Nothing to see here. So, for instance, Pizza Hut original pan pizza had half the amount of plastics as Domino's hand-tossed cheese pizza. So there you go. Uh, Beach Nut Fruities Pouch Pear Banana and Raspberries also had half the amount of plastic as Gerber's Mealtime for a baby harvest turkey dinner. Polar Spring Seltzer, meanwhile, was found to have no contaminants. So Polar Spring Seltzer, you are the winner of the day. The rest, if it's wrapped in plastic and packaged, it's likely not good for you. Likely. Okay? I don't know. I'm trying not to get banned again. All right, murder house. Boom. We're going to figure out what this is. This house was charming, but came with a catch. A murder took place there. So, what happens when you go to buy a house? It's beautiful. It's your dream house. It's got the landscape. It's got the interior. It's modern. Even though it's got a vintage charm. But what happened? I, I'm curious. Like, what, what's this over here? And they're like, <clears throat> and then you kind of Google the house, trying to do researcher, but to close the deal, news story comes up. Homicide takes place in your bedroom. What do you do? Do you follow through? Are you in escrow already? So let's see. Stig stigmatized properties pose challenges for buyers and sellers, especially when the crime is particularly notorious. So stigmatization would be when you uh, basically pigeonhole something or you have an idea about something. You're going to impress an opinion that you believe onto something. So a house where a murder took place is stigmatized to be negative. In Yorktown, Virginia, a charming gambrel-roofed house drew James Fiorito's attention this summer. He had just sold his home and sought a fixer-upper. This one, listed at $250,000, seemed like a steal in a neighborhood where such a home would typically draw $450,000. Well, there's your immediate red flag. Why is it devalued? He toured the dingy interior with a flashlight, since it no longer had electricity. In the backyard, a backhoe sat by the recently filled-in pool. Okay, so maybe that's why. Mm, you know, maybe it's a fixer-upper. Fiorito, a 44-year-old attorney, puzzled over the home's decrepit status and why the seller was the non-for-profit Habitat for Community. He asked one of the listing agents about the home circumstances and was told the previous owner had been a hoarder. Fiorito made an all-cash offer for 225000 So he's like, okay, well, <laughs> it's just a hoarder. You know, well, what's a hoarder? A hoarder is someone who hoards 
things, by collecting things that may or may not be useful uh, to the extent where they're not on display anymore for viewing. They're literally on display because there's nowhere else to put them. So they overflow into your daily life and begin to take over. Later, he couldn't resist Googling the address. Hey, there you go. Probably should have done that before you laid down that offer. But sweet deals get sticky fingers. He learned that a man had killed his mother and sister in the home and stored their bodies in the empty backyard pool. Hence, the filling in of the uh, previous grave. He decided to withdraw his offer. I think it's the proximity to evil and the reminder that there are terrible things in the world, he says, of that decision. Absolutely. And how could you live in this beautiful home knowing that at one point there were horrendous, horrific acts taking place? The home eventually sold for $285,000. $100, according to Redfin. Homes where a murder or other violent crime took place pose a conundrum for both buyers and sellers. Absolutely. The seller in some states is obliged and uh, compelled, actually, to, to de de divulge that information. Uh, if not, and you buy it and find out, you absolutely, absolutely could sue and uh, potentially get a windfall. <clears throat> so it sold for above uh, the asking price there, so perhaps that person did not Google the address. For their part, victims' families may not want to live in the house after an agonizing loss, but they need to access the funds it represents. If the home is unsellable, or saleable, their losses increase and prevent them from moving forward to find semblance of peace. Absolutely. How much a death or crime impacts a home, sale price depends on its notoriety. Of course, well, if it's a famous murder, it might actually increase the value. If it was a horrific murder committed by uh, <clears throat> just your average run-of-the-mill uh, psychopath, then it's probably going to devalue. And then, of course, what does the house look like? Does it still retain value aesthetically? So this is the Lost Feliz Murder Mansion. Looks like an absolutely lovely home, lovely neighborhood, lots of foliage. And this is a rendering of it, of course. They're planning on renovating it. So <clears throat> rules guide disclosures about deaths that have taken place in home sale in three states. California, any death that took place in a home within the last three years must be disclosed. So there's a three-year window. That's it. South Dakota, real estate licensees who are aware of a murder or suicide on the property must disclose it if occurred within one year of the first showing to the buyer. And in Alaska, sellers of residential real, real estate property must disclose a murder or suicide that occurred on the property within the last three years. So there seems to be a threshold of between one and three years. Um, yeah, so what if there was a death? What if it wasn't a murder? Defect property, like staircase collapsed and the person died. Well... You can be concerned about that issue, but it's not really a legitimate reason to pull out of the contract. A murder that was uh, omitted, absolutely. Moving on, in a remote corner of California, roaming dog packs leave a trail of blood and terror. Can you imagine? So here we have an image of a couple of uh, employees in animal control. Looks like he has a taser, perhaps a tranquilizer gun. Uh, another man wearing a safety vest and some runners. So you have animal control. Harvey Beck wields a can of pepper spray while investigating a report of an unleashed dog mauling another dog in Anguanga in December. Drive down any long, rutted back roads of Anza, a dusty Riverside County community, and it won't take long before you feel like you've fallen off the grid. Telephone poles disappear. 
Street signs and lights are nowhere to be seen, and ramshackle houses and fences hide behind thickets of weather-beaten manzanita and chaparral. If you're quiet, you'll hear the wind roll across the valley, or maybe the bell-like clink of a sage sparrow in a nearby bush. But if you make a sound, one, two, three, or more barking growls, sorry, barking growling dogs, clamber down towards you. Dogs that Riverside County Animal Control Officer Harvey Beck says are no joke. So we have a uh, rogue pack of dogs um, that are roaming around this neighborhood and they are causing a lot of problems. This spring, a pack of free-roaming hounds identified as three Labrador mixes, two Queensland Blue Heelers and a Husky slaughtered a herd of goats and two sheep. The bloodbath was documented on Facebook with gut-churning photographs and descriptions. In 2018, a woman was killed by a pack of canines in broad daylight. But it's not the dirty-looking cures that run, snarl, bark, and gnash their teeth behind fences when a visitor approaches that one needs to fear. Instead, Beck says it's the ones with unfettered access to the outside world that cause concern, the ones that wander in packs, chasing and killing pets, livestock, and wildlife. While the problem is particularly bad in Anza, it's hardly unique. According to reports from the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Wildlife Services, domestic dogs are the second most lethal predator of livestock, with coyotes taking the top spot. Well, still a dog. One wild, one domesticated. In the case of sheep, coyotes and dogs account for more than 70% of predator losses. And dogs are on the rise. In 2014, roughly 13,200 adult sheep were killed by dogs. In 2019, that number had increased by more than 10,000. So almost doubling. For cattle and calves, a 2015 report shows dogs accounted for 11.3% of kills. Wolves, just 4.9%. Unbelievable. Who would have guessed? But research on the topic is scarce in the U.S. So there it is. If you are out roaming the streets in California, be quiet. Tiptoe around because there could be a pack of dogs on your heels. Do not carry meat while in California. All right, scientists discovered genetic underpinnings of bisexuality. What the heck does that mean? Does that mean that it's nature? Or nurture? Or a little bit of both? Well, let's see what this guy's got to say. Uh, this is Assam Ahmad, Agence France Press, ABS, CBN News. <clears throat> For the first time, scientists have identified genetic variations associated with human bisexual behavior and found these markers are linked to risk-taking and having more offspring when they are carried by heterosexual men. So here we go. There's a genetic marker in a human that, uh, in a heterosexual male, so they basically identify this marker with someone who they are aware of their gender. Not a baby. Let's put it that way. An adult, likely. And uh, they say, oh, you're a heterosexual male? Well, you're likely to have more offspring, and you may be more uh, risk-taking, you know? And uh, if you happen to be bisexual, then you may have this marker as well. There you go. So, Zhangji uh, Zhang, a professor at the University of Michigan and senior author of new research, told AFP it helped answer the long-standing evolutionary puzzle of why natural selection has not eliminated the genetics underpinning attraction within the same sex. The study published Wednesday in Science Advances was based on the data of more than 450,000 people of European descent who signed up for the UK Biobank, a long-term genomics sort of genomics project that has proven a major boon for health research. It builds on growing research, including a seminal 2019 paper in Science that found genetic variants influenced to some extent whether a person engaged in same-sex behavior through environmental factors were more important. So there you go. Environmental factors are more important than this genetic marker. They're basically just stating that 
through this database, they've noticed that an abnormally large number of bisexual people have this marker, just as an abnormally number of people uh, that are heterosexual male that take risks and have lots of kids also have that marker. So there it is. It's something. By studying participants' complete sets of DNA, or genomes, and combining that information with survey responses, Zhang and his co-author Silang, Siliang Song were able to confirm the signatures associated with same-sex behavior and bisexual behavior were, in fact, distinct. Well, so uh, here you can see a link to no gay gene, but study finds genetic links to sexual behavior. So there is a correlation, a link, not a uh, uh, causation. So that's the big word. The difference is causation. So, um... There you go. Nature is complicated, absolutely. Nature versus nurture is the ultimate question. If you were to raise an individual in a separate environment, would they become the same? Well, there's lots of instances of twins, which have a, you know, a very similar genetic makeup, and were separated at birth, and were raised differently, and sometimes they're exactly the same. So what does that mean? Nobody knows. There's not enough information. That's the, the truth. So that's why these studies are so important. And eventually, maybe they'll be able to find a causal link to homosexuality or bisexuality or promiscuity, perhaps. But at this stage, we don't know. We're just looking for links. We want to make it clear that our results predominantly contribute to the diversity, richness, and better understanding of human sexuality they stressed. They are not in any way intended to suggest or endorse discrimination on the basis of sexual behavior. So it is just information. High-end honeypot. What's a honeypot? Well, Pooh Bear used to carry around a little honeypot. Put his little paw in there. Look in those claws. Well, guess what? You can get your hand stuck in a honeypot. Pooh Bear used to actually go head first into these things, trying to lap up those last delicious uh, bits of honey. And guess what? His robust waist would get caught in the uh, opening. And, of course, we got our honeypot. He got stuck. So what happens? People love honey. It's sweet. They want to get some, just like Pooh Bear. Uh, humans want to get some too. And uh, guess what? You can set up a human honey pot. And how's that? Well, you use prostitutes and drugs. And humans, just like a fly to uh, meat or shit, a human is attracted to both uh, good times and pleasure. And guess what? Drugs and sex can offer both of those to people. And uh, here we go. High-end sex ring in Boston and D.C. areas was a honeypot scheme by Russia, China, South Korea, or even Israel. So this sounds like a little speculation here. To ensnare U.S. officials, intelligence experts believe. Intelligence experts are becoming increasingly convinced that six high-end brothels in the suburbs of Boston and Washington, D.C. were set up by foreign nation as an espionage honey trap. So what's going on here? They set up a little uh, brothel, a little escort service. They advertise in certain areas, hoping to um, land a big fish, a politician, perhaps a CEO, someone with some uh, clout, some influence, and they're going to go ahead and get them into this brothel where it is lined with microphones and cameras everywhere that you are unsuspectingly getting videotaped. 
So they believe the brothel is allegedly masterminded by a 41-year-old South Korean woman, a madame, targeted politicians, high-ranking government officials, and defense contractors. But the mystery in which country was behind the scheme, Russia, China, Korea itself, or even Israel, are all seen as possibly being behind the scheme. Having the Koreans out front could have been a false flag to give China or another country plausible deniability if the plot unraveled, a one-time CIA senior operations officer told DailyMail.com in an exclusive interview. The brothels were raided in November, and prosecutors said they were looking to charge 28 people in Massachusetts alone. And here is an image of uh, a sultry bunch of Asians. The lingerie and bikini-clad models advertised on the brothels' website included Yoko and Tiffany, who were offered as a duo for photographers looking for a modeling twosome. Very innocent. Or is it? There were six target locations. Joshua Levy, the acting U.S. attorney for the state, said his office will seek accountability for the buyers who fuel the commercial sex industry. Absolutely. Shut that down. Han Lee, the alleged mastermind, uh, Jun Myung Ling, Jun Myung Lee, 30, and James Lee, 68, all South Korean-born U.S. nationals, were charged in November with running the sex ring. The three Lees are not related. Yeah, and if you're unaware, uh, Koreans have uh, the surname Lee Park and uh, several others that are shared by many, but unrelated. So there it is. Uh, they believe it was a honeypot. None of the clients have been identified or charged so far, but they could soon be unmasked after federal prosecutors last month announced they are seeking criminal charges. The probe into their involvement in prostitution is active and ongoing. So we'll keep you posted on that one, absolutely. Once those names get revealed, if anything is important, you'll be the first to know. NASA is headed for the moon next week, and it's bringing lots of weird stuff. United Launch Alliance unmanned spacecraft takes off on January 8th, 2024, carrying new tools, tiny robots, and Gene Roddenberry's ashes. There's your dead man on the moon, right there. So here's the... Uh, Astrobiotic uh, Peregrine Lander, scheduled to make its soft lunar landing in late February. So it's a rocket stocked with scientific instruments, technological gadgets, and Bitcoin. Literally, it's about to head for the moon's surface. United Launch Alliance's NASA-funded Vulcan Centaur is slated to lift off in the early hours of January 8th from Cape Canaveral, Florida, to begin its nearly two-month journey. After traveling roughly 238,900 miles, the nearly 280 sorry, 2,829-pound Peregrine Lander, built by private space company Astrobotic, should arrive at the Gruthusian domes within the moon's Sinus Viscostatis region. If successful, it will mark the first U.S. landing on Earth's satellite since NASA's Apollo 17 mission in 1972. As Gizmodo notes, over 20 various payloads from six countries will be aboard the Peregrine Lander, some meant for research, while others purely symbolic gestures ahead of Artemis's astronauts' planned touchdown later this decade. So Artemis, of course, is the new uh, moon lander meant to bring humans back to the satellite known as the moon. So they're going to utilize a number of new tools and analysis uh, tech aboard the lander, including a near-infrared volatile spectrometer system, NERVUS, and a neutron spectrometer system, NUS, meant for uh, identifying substances such as water on the lunar surface. A laser retroreflector array, LRA, will allow, will also provide incredibly precise distance measurements. So, 
This is one of the things that state that the moon landing is real, is that there already is an LRA up there where you can shine your laser up and get a reflection, which lets you know how far away the moon is. And if you've been doing it, you'd be aware that the moon is moving farther away from the Earth, about one inch a year, I believe. Similar to LETS, Germany's M42 radiation detector will analyze similar potential mission dangers. So they got a bunch of stuff there. Also, we have a few other things. Stranger Things, that's what we're interested in, is Star Trek actors and show creator Gene Roddenberry. DNA from legendary science fiction author Arthur C. Clarke are going up there. Two memorial space companies, Celestius and Elysium Space, have cargo aboard the Vulcan rocket, and they will be forever remembered on the moon. There's also uh, something we covered, it could have been yesterday, I'm not sure, earlier in the program that a company sent something up to the moon and it actually had a payload of uh, some organisms and everyone's terrified of what that might do. So there you go, we have it, wonderful. Thank you to all my Sigma Tigers for returning. Like and subscribe, share it around, let everyone know that this is the hottest, juiciest beef online. Join the Sigma Tiger community. We're here for you. If you want to know about financials and trades and stock, all that kind of stuff, go ahead and head on over to Sigma Tiger Trade where you get some more hot, juicy beef. Sigma Tiger, signing out.